Hello and welcome to the Getting Through Podcast, where insightful discussions meet transformative ideas. Today, I want to welcome a good friend, small business owner, uh, educator, seasoned leader, and a really good golfer, and an all-around great guy, Mr. Todd Watring. Todd, welcome to the Getting Through Podcast. Jim, thank you. I appreciate the invite, and I'm looking forward to our discussion this morning. Awesome. Todd, as we get started uh, today, maybe you can spend a couple of minutes introducing uh, yourself to my audience, maybe share little bit about your personal uh, background and career journey. Part of it may be boring because it hasn't had tons of change, but I was a graduate from Grace College up in Northern Indiana and graduated back in 1989 and played baseball. And right out of college, I started in the insurance business, which is a story in itself. But I worked for one company for 33 years, kind of moved up the ranks there and had some leadership wins there, leadership challenges, obviously. And then back in November, decided to retire from that company, and I wasn't ready to hang up the cleats yet, if, if you will. Ended up buying an all-state agency here in Fishers, Indiana. And then the week that I actually started, got a phone call from a friend of mine who actually worked at Farm Bureau and then worked at Butler and asked me if um, I had any interest of being a professor at Butler. So both of those things happened at almost the same time, and here we are a year and a half later and loving all state, um, loving the business there, and also teaching. Man, so I want to kind of track that back a bit. 30 plus years with the same company, retirement, obviously corporate America, never ending change, lots of things happening. We're all being impacted by this, especially as we get later in our careers. So you retire, as I'm thinking about that, and we've talked a little bit about this before, you get up every day kind of going to the same place, doing the work you really, really know. When you do something for 30 plus years, you get kind of good at it. And then you turn around and you decide to start your own business, buy an all-state agency, get into that. Then you become an educator. That's a lot of change to take on. And at this stage of your life, it's really impressive. And I definitely want to get more into that as we talk yep. more this morning. But maybe you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about your family and, and how you all like to spend your free time. Let me back up on my career because that's a story in itself. I, I went to Grace College and I planned on majoring in basically physical education. And I knew I didn't want to teach, hmm. but I also knew there wasn't tons of money in it. And yeah. one of my friends who we met at church came to me and said, hey, there, there's an opening at Farm Bureau. Would you have interest in applying? Well, keep that thought. And there's a reason for that. And I'm like, yes, I think I would. And at that time, Steph and I got engaged and my parents really weren't and they're aware of this. They'll probably hear this. I'm not speaking out of school, but they really did not want me to do that. My dad worked for a 3M company for 35 years as well. He didn't have a lot of change. And when I told him I was thinking about the insurance business, now keep in mind, Indianapolis to Warsaw on a good drive takes about two hours and 20 minutes. Okay. okay? It took him an hour and 50 minutes to drive to Warsaw to sit me down to say, <laughs> why in the world do you want to get in the insurance business? First of all, you're selling an intangible product. If you're going to sell something, why don't you sell something that's tangible? And I'm like, well, it's something that in my heart that felt like, you know what, this is something that's actually right. And I'll never forget him telling me, and this is where it gets funny. He's like, well, you got till May, you're going to graduate. So we have really three months to talk you out of it. And I'm like, well, dad, that's the other news I'm going to tell you. How I inspiring. Start, <laughs> I start February 1st. And if you would have seen his face, he's like, Todd, you're going to graduate in May. 
you're going to start this business and what are you going to do about your education? And I'm like, dad, I promise I'm going to finish my education. He goes, I've seen it before. People aren't going to finish their education. You're not going to finish it. What in the world are you doing? And I'm like, dad, I promise I'm going to finish my education because I'm very big on education. I don't necessarily know if it gets you jobs, but what it does is it teaches you leadership. It teaches you discipline. It teaches you things too that can actually get you in other places. So yeah. Steph and I ended up getting married that that May. I'll never forget my dad still wasn't really happy with me, went to my boss who hired me and said, I wasn't in agreement with this, but you better make sure that he finishes his school. And my boss, this is at my wedding. He's like, <laughs> we're, we're going to make sure of it. And, and it was a tough year when we got started, but I ended up finishing my education in and started in the insurance business. But that's how my career actually started. <laughs> my goodness. Wow. I mean, I think for a lot of the audience and, and folks that will listen to this at some point or another, podcasting has become incredibly popular for people as they're driving, commuting, exercising. And as I started this podcast, I wasn't really too familiar with it, right? So I am sure there'll be a lot of people who listen to this at some point who can put themselves in that experience, right? Yeah. Of having a, a parents who love you deeply and want only the best for you. And then there's some people who don't have that. Who, who don't have the gift of having a family unit, like I've seen yours, and obviously now I know a little bit more about how important mom and dad are and how important that support is. And it just warms your heart to hear, it really is an amazing story. And I think it really sets the context for how you've gone through your career journey. And certainly as we continue the conversation here, just, just seeing, again, I only know your two boys, but I mean, you've raised such a wonderful family and Todd and I are friends on Facebook, so I love kind of looking at all those photos and the time you spend with your family. And we have a very small family, so I always love kind of watching how you guys spend your time together. It looks like you have a hoot all the time. Very busy family. Family is number one to me. It always has been. And there's been, I don't want to say sacrifice. That's not the right term. But growing up, when our kids were growing up, there were some things that we could have done more professionally. Could have been some stuff Steph and I did, but we, not sacrificed, but we decided to put our investment in into our kids. My parents are absolutely proud of me. They love what I did. That was just the first steps. I was able to prove them wrong throughout the career. And my dad, who's alive today, we joke about it all the time because he's so <laughs> proud of what we did. And one of the milestones I had at Farm Bureau was I was able to build a governor agency basically from scratch. So what that means was is I had a team and I was able to take them to the number one agency in the state. And when that happened, wow. our incentive trip back then was to Hawaii. So I, I worked it out with our bosses to where my parents and Steph's parents were able to travel with us to be able to see the award that I actually got. And it was so funny because wow. I mentioned that on stage in front of 500 people, what happened. Your dad was the wind beneath your wings from the very start. And now look he at was. you. As we jump into the first segment of today's episode, I, I kind of framed it up as taking the plunge. And mm -hmm. the Getting Through podcast is about helping people frame up a mindset. And mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be the mindset that I ascribe to, that I've created to get me through some of the deepest, worst possible things that can happen, as you know, a little bit about my sure. story, Todd. Sure. It really just shows the importance of setting up a mindset framework that helps you get through challenges and helps mm -hmm. you learn from those challenges and come through it as a better person. When you're jumping into uncomfortable situations in life, in business, to me, it's all about jumping in with both feet and really mm -hmm. seeking to learn, seeking to understand. And as you build that, that mindset that gets you through the challenges that are invariably going to come, 
that the whole metaphor of taking the plunge to me mm -hmm. really seemed like a great way for us to spend a few minutes talking about you kind of your latest plunge, like how you were able to maneuver yourself through this big business and career change this late in your career. Yeah. And then how you've been able to balance the full life you have with your family, the successful career you had at Farm Bureau, and then taking the plunge into buying an all-state agency, which takes time and effort and a lot of diligence, jumping in and becoming an educator and how you got to that. It'd be great for you to maybe share some of those perspectives with the group. I've had three different pillars, if you will, to where we had to make a very tough decision. But let's go back to Farm Bureau. I started when I was 21. When I was 24, Steph and I at that point had three kids. And at Farm Bureau, to be honest with you, I was really struggling. And the reason why I was struggling, Jim, is because right out of college, I still liked to play softball. I liked to be done at four. I liked all this stuff, some of the perks that came with being an agent where it's on, on your own schedule. Yeah. And I'll never forget Steph crying one night. And I'm like, what is wrong? And she's like, I'm tired of us not making any money. I'm tired of you being average. And she said, no one would have known for you growing up. You were never average. And right now at Farm Bureau, you're average at best. And wow. she said, I'm tired of us struggling. She sat down and she looked at me and I'll never forget. That. It's like that look that, that your parents give you that you don't have to say anything, but you just know. And, um, <laughs> Been there. I'll never forget. She said, you either need to get into this business or you need to get out of it. I'll never forget the stop sign that I was at. I slammed on the brakes and I coined the phrase at that time that I share all the time with people. And it's this, put yourself in a position to be the best at what you do. Mm. And it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you run podcasts. It doesn't matter if you're in an Allstate. It doesn't matter, but put yourself in a position and that takes some sacrifice to be the best at what you do. And ever since then, I feel like I've kind of coined that phrase. When I decided to retire at Farm Bureau, that was probably one of the toughest challenges in our life because it wasn't all of a sudden I woke up one day and said, hey, I'm going to retire. What happened was I received a Zoom call when I was in Florida on a Friday of Thanksgiving. Now, keep in mind, I'm in, on vacation in Florida. I get right. a Zoom request and says, hey, we want to have a Zoom call with you. And I'm like, on a Friday? That's weird. Long story short, they wanted to do it then because starting December 1st, they actually was eliminating my job mm. and they were going to put me back to be the full-time trainer at Farm Bureau. And they did that over a Zoom call on a Friday. And I, I was losing my car. I was losing some other stuff, perks, if you will. Yeah. And for them to do it over Zoom, being there 33 years, didn't sit right with me. I ended up doing that for a year and finally I knew that I could do better. And it was something that I didn't want to do anymore. Part of it was as well, my two boys, you mentioned Travis and Nate, they both work at Farm Bureau as well. So there are some challenges when it comes to HR, nepotism and that kind of stuff to where yeah. you can't go in different positions. So Steph and I, my wife, we sat down and said, I think it's best for us to leave Farm Bureau. And again, Farm Bureau was very good to me for those 33 years. I have no complaints other than yeah. what actually happened. Right. Decided to retire there and take a new plunge. And somebody from Allstate saw me on LinkedIn and approached me and said, hey, have you ever had an interest in buying a book of business? And I'm like, no. <laughs> so we, we ended up meeting. There were a lot of challenges there because there's some sacrifices, as you know. You got to have some capital in the bank. You got to have some stuff. I was going to go from a leadership role on there back to basically the agent role with a um, staff. Right. That's scary. But it was one of those things. And I remember Steph told me again, you didn't need to get into that business of Allstate or don't do it because if you can't put in 100%, it is never going to work. 
And so ended up doing that. And as I said, it, it was the next week I got a call from my buddy Thomas said, hey, do you have any interest in possibly teaching at Butler? Because he knew from an educational standpoint, I'm always learning. So I ended up getting my undergrad back at Grace and I decided to get my master's. I, I only got my master's though six years ago. And my boss at the time was kind of giving me a hard time about it because he thought I should be spending most of my time in my district. Yeah. And yet Farm Bureau was very good on their educational saying, hey, we'll pay for your master's and everything else. And he was like, why do you want to get your master's? I'm like, I, there's just something in my mind and in my spirit of heart that I want to continue my education. So I ended up doing that. Had I not done that, I wouldn't have been able to te teach at Butler. That's amazing, Todd, because often when people ask me, and I have my book coming out in April, and one of the fundamental elements of, of the mindset framework that I built to get myself through, in this case, a challenge was presented to you of not the most elegant way of going into a retirement, right? It's a challenge when big corporations go through their own challenge and their own changes, they have to make adjustments and that's all understandable. The how obviously comes becomes really <laughs> at issue, right? It's But nobody really ever argues the what has to happen, it's more how it happens. I think everybody's mindset, no matter what it is, needs to start with belief and faith in something. I have faith in the good Lord Jesus Christ, that's who gives me the power of my faith, ultimately. Mm -hmm. And I am able to apply that. Now, obviously, we're living in a more secular society where not everybody believes in the same things that I believe or the same things that you believe. I think the important thing is, is that they believe in something, that they put their faith in something, whatever that is that's tugging at you, to use your words. I really think that's an important point as... We all go through these moments in our lives that are incredibly challenging. Yours was retirement, and it sounds like Steph could be an amazing life coach. <laughs> she seems to be able to get right to the point of the matter. Having a partner like that through your life, and I'm lucky enough to have one in my wife, Leslie, who just this morning, she's like, give yourself some credit. As I'm pondering and thinking through lots and lots of different things, challenges I'm seeing or challenges that I'm thinking are coming around the bench. It's like, give yourself a, give yourself some credit, celebrate successes and celebrate wins. And sometimes I struggle with that personally. So really appreciate you sharing that journey. And again, I think it's so inspirational to see that change from Farm Bureau to going through the challenges at Allstate and then becoming an educator. And I was lucky enough to sit in on one of your classes and be able to take part and see how it is that you teach, inspire, and, and motivate, really, your students with fun and engagement and commitment. And yeah. it's something I think we all can do. I was really impressed. Yeah. One of the things I want to give you props, though, Jim, because at the end of the semester, the kids, students, I should say, they have to rate the class and they have to rate the professors. They actually go through a rate them, and then you literally, as soon as it's done, as soon as their grades are posted, um, they always do it after the grades are posted because they don't want you to influence anything on that end. But <laughs> yeah. the comments that I got, and there was a comment about you for the special guest and how you had an influence and everything on there. So I want to give you props on that. The comments that the students are showing, the one said that I'm like their grandpa. And I'm like, <laughs> well, I got gray hair. The reason why is because they said that I teach out of a, te a textbook, but they learn real life stuff street smart stuff from their grandpa, always giving them words of wisdom. And I'm like, I've only been with these kids, if you think about it, three hours total a week right. for th th three months. What I learned from that on Butler is being able to not necessarily always teach them out of a textbook, but to be able to help them through 
what they're actually going through. The one thing about Butler, and you now you were in more of a sophomore class, but even the fir first year class, we're teaching some of these kids. They're three months removed from high school where they right. live with their parents full time. Now they're leaving and now they're on their own. So it's not necessarily school that they're learning. It's real life stuff that they're learning that's going to affect them for the rest of their, their, their life. So I really take that serious. I think that's an excellent segue, Todd, and I would love to see some of the feedback. And I had a chance to meet with one of your students who I took out for a cup of coffee, who was just an amazing young woman who's going to do amazing things in her life. She has a very strong base of support in her life. But she is very, very focused young lady, and she's going to do, as I said, some amazing things. But it is really important to the point I'm taking away from your comments is like we're, we can all play a role in helping somebody live out their dreams, some, helping somebody become the very best version of themselves. And when we have those opportunities, we shouldn't squander them because these are the things that people will remember most about us is the difference we made in their lives. And that's one of the things Olivia said to me when we had coffee, yeah. she's like, it's just amazing to me that you would take the time to sit down with me and discuss career options and where I should consider grad school and why I should consider grad school. And this is a person who I literally had just met a week prior. And it suggests a real desire out there. And I know generationally, sometimes I'll just speak for myself, us in the older generation, sometimes wonder, can you motivate the Gen Zers and the generation that's grown up very connected to their screens and I mean, most of this stuff, I don't know if I buy it because every single time I have an interaction with a younger generation person who supposedly has been painted with all these stereotypes, I just don't see it. I mean, they're incredibly inquisitive and they have all kinds of questions and they don't take the surface answer. They want to go deeper. And that's where I think all of us who are now charged with being the mentors, because uh, we were, I was mentored through my life and very blessed to have some amazing mentors in life and business that have helped me get to yeah. this point in my career. And for those of us that now find ourselves in that spot, it's really critical that we take the time like you have to coach and counsel these folks through these periods of their lives. You can almost put mentor and leadership kind of in the same bucket. But yeah. the one thing I've learned about leadership is whether it's a mentor or not. Most of the people who are leaders, if you think about it, a lot of people want to lead from the top down. They think that only CEOs or senior VPs can, can be leaders. And it's quite the contrary. Typically, your middle management, I'll say people in my area are more of a leader and impact people than what some others do, because we can lead from the middle. We can lead up towards people. We mm -hmm. can lead across. You can lead down. But everybody in some sense or form is a leader. It, it doesn't matter who you are because you lead somebody. John Maxwell has written 25 books. They're almost all the same material. But the one thing that I learned, you go back to his Developing the Leader Within You, which is you, the very first book, the very first statement stuck with me. And it said, leadership is about influence, nothing more, nothing less. Mm. And I would tell you that mentorship is leadership or influencing nothing more, nothing less. And you can throw COVID in there. You can throw all that kind of stuff in there. But the one thing that 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 I've learned, and you're seeing that now with Olivia and actually meeting that, people can't really be led too much on whether it's social media, whether it's Zoom calls like this, it's still the face-to-face -face building a relationship with people to have those talks. And that's what concerns me about part of this generation is I don't want them to skate off thinking that you can have these kind of conversations, whether it's a podcast, or whatever, and not having true relationship face-to-face -face coffees with people. We've kind of lost that a little. And it's weird that we've kind of lost that because you keep seeing 
Starbucks opened up and Dunkin' Donuts opened up and all these like <laughs> places to br- bring it. Yeah. Um, you know, they want to have Wi-Fi and everything else. Well, free Wi-Fi means you're going to be on your computer. What you want to do is be able to shut your computer down is what my wife does. She bought this thing one time. It was like this jail thing. It looked like a birdcage. And when our kids had dinner, we had to put our phones in this thing. We weren't allowed to open them. And if you did, you got in trouble <laughs> or if you had to put your phone in there. So I don't know how I got off, off that tangent, but it's the mentorship leadership that everybody influences somebody. How taking these plunges in your life create these getting through moments and yep. where it's like, and you've had support of your wife and clarity of your purpose through your faith and being able to give and get empathy, uh, which is another key part of, I think, any uh, positive mindset uh, that you're going to see is through empathy and really through resilience. From my perspective, as I've had to navigate big change in my life Mm -hmm. and in my career, there's an art and science to be considered. I mean, the way our brains work and the way we're wired to work And this is part of the reason why social media is just so darn addictive is it hits these, I forget the term, I I don't know if it's uh, dopamine, these dopamine hits we get. And that's why we post on social media. That's why we follow social media. That's why we look for these likes. We look for these likes because we get this drug injection every single time we see it. And that's why these social media platforms, and God knows I'm on one, right? (laughs) Right now, this is going to get posted to Spotify and shared across and everything in moderation my grandfather taught me a long time ago. But I think a lot of the mentorship discussions that happen where conflict arises, where people are held to account and holding themselves to account, social media gives you a almost a screen to that, right? So you don't have to necessarily be the the greatest version of yourself on social media, because you've kind of got that screen protecting you. Whereas to your point, when you're sitting at a coffee shop across from somebody, there's no screen up there protecting you. And I think this is where the the science of leading through big change in our lives comes in. And then there's the art, which is those mentorships, the time being spent, and how that will define us in our lives. Maybe you walk through a lot of taking the plunge moments that have created getting through moments. Maybe you Mm -hmm. could spend a couple of minutes just talking about, are there other things in your mindset, Todd, that have helped you get through these moments of challenge? Believe it or not, I've been kind of labeled a risk adverse person because you have people out there that want to go and try everything. When you go out and try everything, if something fails, you just move on to the next thing, which isn't necessarily bad. But when you have a family to support and you have people around you, you want to make sure that you're getting the best advice and everything else. And um, when we decided to do Allstate, it was funny. So Steph's dad, her mom and dad are still alive and he's 90. And he's pretty cut to the chase. When you get to be 90 years old, you don't have to have a filter anymore. You can just say whatever you want. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I mean, you've earned that right to be hurt. And I'll never forget. He's like, Todd, you've been in front of your 33 years. You need some new experiences. I think you need to do it. So that was kind of the tip of the iceberg that said, here you do. But again, that's somebody that's in my life that I was able to count on have given me advice. I still believe this, whether you have social media or whatever, Jim, there's two things that happen that define you. Number one, the books you read, two, the people you hang out with. I still believe that. And I believe that for kids. I believe that for 
whoever having that anxiety of actually doing it, it's like, okay, what's the worst thing that happens? Because what ends up happening is, and again, there's 10,000 thoughts that go through your mind every day. All right. 75% of them are typically negative. Hmm. They're not typically always positive. They're typically negative. And it depends upon how you respond to those as to how it actually develops your life. And part of it is, again, so that you go to the people you hang out with. If you're hanging out with people that are typically negative, the world's against you, the world's against this, it's going to influence you. Versus if you hang out with people who are positive, people who have a good influence on you that aren't afraid to not be a 50,000-foot relationship, meaning that they're always going to tell you the good. You're good here. You're this and that. They're going to challenge you a little bit and say, hey, have you thought about this? Sometimes those kind of conversations are hard to have. But I do believe that when you have those certain people in your life that aren't afraid to tell you the truth, it helps. And I've been able to have those pillars that have been able to tell me the good, tell me the bad, tell me the risk. I'm in insurance. I'm in risk management, which means I'm pretty, (laughs) as I said, risk averse. But those kind of situations are like, what's the worst thing that can happen? Versus saying, hey, what's the best that can happen? And again, put yourself in a position to be the best at what you do is what's kind of carried me through on different decisions that we've actually had in our life. I love that. And I'm actually going to steal that one because I've heard versions of it before, but I love the clarity you use. Like you are the books you read and the people that you surround yourself with. And I think oftentimes when you can get into that, I like to call it stinking thinking, you are letting those... 75% of the 10,000 thoughts you have a day, and I personally struggle with this mightily, I spend too much time worrying about that 75%. And I really need to figure out and say, you know what, I'm not going to give that any oxygen. I'm going to move that to the side and stay incredibly positive on the gifts that I've been given, which for me is a big part of my mindset, which is once you show resiliency, which you've talked a lot about here already during this episode, is, hey, there's going to be these moments and who you surround yourself with are going to help you build that resiliency muscle, if you will. But gratitude becomes super, super important and really being appreciative of what you have. And as long as you're in service of something larger than yourself, which kind of wraps back right around to your faith and your belief system, you're going to tend to attract people, the very best people around you, because they're going to have likely a similar kind of point of view. They may have different perspectives on life and politics and the things now, especially in the divisive world we live in. But if you're truly the kind of person who honors differences in people uh, and you feel like every interaction is an opportunity to learn, my goodness, you're going to have a much richer life. Uh, So I certainly appreciate that, that perspective. Steph and I have a lot of good friends. We don't have tons of great friends. I'll give you an example of sacrificing. We grew up, our kids grew up in a very small town up in northern Indiana called Rochester, Indiana, which was very small. Well, the one thing at Rochester every Friday night was the inn people went to the moose. It's what they did. Well, Steph and I decided we didn't want to go to the moose because they always say in a town, nothing really good happens after midnight. Let me tell you this, in a small town, nothing good happens after 10 p.m. But, (laughs) But what ended up happening was, the people who went there, and again, I'm not condoning them. It is what it is. Their kids ended up starting to hang out at our house with our kids. So right. on Friday nights, we'd make a bonfire. We had a hot tub at the time, which was nice. We would camp with the kids. We would invest. And our pastor, our second pastor a long, long time ago, and again, one of these things you never forget is how do you spell love? You spell love, T-I-M-E. What you love, you're going to spend your time with. And mm. we decided to invest in our kids at the time when we're a very – 
hmm. tight knit family when it comes to stuff. And we would invest in spring break. We would invest in trips. We'd invest in that kind of stuff. And um, here we are now, all of our kids, luckily all li- live close to get one of our kids lives with us. She won't go, but, um, <laughs> but, we're, 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 yeah, but we're, we live close enough to where our kids want to hang out with each other. They bicker and all this stuff, but yeah. my kids that, that I know, you know them well enough. I mean, the yeah. biggest compliment that we can get as parents is compliments on your kids. And I've got them a lot because I see my kids and sometimes I'm like, what a dumb statement that is. But I got some that say they're respectful. <laughs> they do this and they do that. So hopefully we've been able to instill some of those um, nuggets to help them in the future. And that's investing in that. That's part of our career as well, because there was a lot of times in my job, I was home by five to coach and I'm putting a tie on at seven going back out. But it's some of the sacrifices that you make with kids to help you get through. And I know your personal situation as well. I can't imagine what you've actually gone through through there, but it is opening up a platform for you on here to be able to help others. Thank you for that, Todd. And I'm going to go back to what you said about books and who you surround yourself with. And I don't think there could be a better measure of a parent than their children wanting to be around them, continue to be around them later in their lives, because that's when they have choices, right? They could do other things. They could say, I can't really make that trip. But so much of your life is spent as a family unit, which was a testament to you and your wife and what you've created in your household all those years ago, when instead of going out to the moose, I think you said it was, (laughs) where nothing good happens after 10 p.m., you (laughs) define that time differently. And I think if you don't define time, it will define you. Someone taught me that such a long time ago, and there's so many good anecdotes uh, already on this episode, I can't wait from my partner, Michelle. She edits them and does such an amazing job with it. But there's so many good anecdotes that you're sharing about what we do these episodes for. And and you said it, Todd. I mean, for me, getting through is about helping one person. Is it a lot of work to write a book? Absolutely. Is it a lot of work to do a podcast every week and try to figure out the content? Absolutely. Does my assistant and my partner in a lot of this, Michelle, does she do a lot of work putting together the very best content and taking all these pieces? Absolutely. But again, if fundamentally the outcome is to help one person and that one person that, that listens to this particular episode that gets deeper in their faith or thinks about who they're surrounding themselves with or says to themselves, man, I haven't read a book in two years. And then they pick up a book that's going to make a difference. Then this now 36 minutes we've spent here would have made a difference. That's really what this is ultimately about. I kind of frame this one up, Todd, as make a plan, God laughs. For me, I can't tell you how many times I planned things like, I'm going to leave my corporate career, which happened to me during my time at Best Buy, and start my own business. And then my son, less than a year later, got diagnosed with cancer, right? Now I'm down a similar path. I was given the gift of time because of a job change and a job elimination, a restructuring. Kind of the good news is, is when you get into some of these bigger jobs, they give you a package so you don't go compete. You don't go work for the competition because they know they're losing something valuable. They've just decided that you don't fit in their plans in that moment. So when I was given this gift of time this year, that I was given. It's really put me in a position to write the book and put all this other stuff together, come and spend time with you and your students, which was an amazing Mm -hmm. experience, which I can't wait to have a chance to do again. 
the point of this is, is that when you do make a plan, and I made that plan before my son Kyle got sick, and then I've made this plan again, and now my wife's been diagnosed with cancer. Leslie has bladder cancer. So you're going to go through these challenges, right? It's who you surround yourself with, back to that wonderful point, that helped get you through those challenges. And as I said, this part of the segment is make a plan, God laughs. Sometimes things aren't going to work out the way that you want them to. Sometimes the, the best laid plans, if you put all this time, all this potentially money, all this investment in doesn't work out. I find the best way to get through that is appreciate what you learn from the planning process and then show resiliency and leap back to whatever path you have to take next. And maybe as we get ready to close our time together, Todd, maybe you can talk about, especially with a point maybe on the students you're interacting with. You alluded to it a little bit earlier in terms of how you're helping <laughs> these college students plan for their careers and how they can apply what they learn in at their education to their future have there been moments maybe in your life where you've made a plan and had to take a different direction and how you got through that when that happened to me on my job change when i was down in florida i went back in the house and i teared up a little bit because it's something that just changes your life i have three brothers-in-laws and they've all been in the ministry so when it comes down to the god and all that you want somebody on your side you come to have my family because you, you'll get prayed up they had a bible verse on their wall and it was jeremiah 29 11. And since that time, I got a coffee cup that says it in everybody else. And it just says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord's are plans for the good, not for the disaster to, to give you a future and a hope. In the days I will pray, I will listen. And knowing that if you truly trust God and truly trust what that's going to happen, it's going to take you through stuff that sometimes that you don't understand what actually happens. And what's so funny about it, Jim, and it's not its not funny, but everybody always wants to blame God. They want to blame Jesus. They want to blame everything. But yet nobody wants to blame the devil. They always just want to blame God only. Yeah. Maybe it's the devil. Yeah. So if you can get in there and really there's stuff that happens that we don't know why. We're not going to know why until we go to the pearly gates to know. Yeah. But you have to know that God does want the good for us, and we have to understand that. But sometimes you just can't always blame God. That Sometimes there's some stuff when it comes to faith, which I'm very big on faith. There's some stuff, faith, that you have to do. There's a lot of people that sit back and say, all right, God will take care of me. God will do this and that. Well, at the same time, he wants you to step out in some faith and step out in stuff so he can help you and get you through those times. People live two ways in their life. They're either proactive. Or, or they're reactive. Yeah. And a lot of times we have to be able to take control and be proactive for what we do, knowing that God's part of us. He's going to help our steps. So there's not a day that doesn't go by that in the morning that I, I pray that lead my step, help me make good decisions, protect my family, be able to do that. But there are some times where you go in a different direction and you have to be able to trust God that what's actually happened there. He's going to help you through that and help you make those decisions. It's funny you bring that up because right before I came down this morning to, to record this week's uh, episode, I uh, was watching Jelly Roll, right? Who's this country singer and my goodness gracious, so that guy's life story and what he's been through, what he's done. I mean, he's done things that certainly would make the devil proud, right? He's done yeah. some things in his yeah. life. And now he's at a position in his life that God has smiled on him. And now he's this incredibly famous person and his song you were just talking, I'm thinking to myself, my goodness, I only pray to God when I need a favor, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's right. kind of his big hit <laughs> song. And he was up in front of Congress talking about the scourge of fentanyl and drug addiction and what's happening to our population. 
and again, this is not a political podcast, right? I'm not like two sides to this. And as I talked about the divisiveness of our politics, but as you think about prayer and the power of prayer and the power of faith, asking God for a favor is okay. It's not like a bad thing. He doesn't want you to have just live a life of lament. I remember our sermon a couple of weeks back at church talked about we tend to only find God when we're in these really bad situations, but that's okay. We shouldn't feel bad about that. But before I lose the point, how you're seeing kids, this younger generation plan for their future, what are the things that you see from the seat now as an educator, as a professor, that they're most struggling with and, and maybe some things you're helping them through here as we get ready to close? What I've seen is this. There are kids that are lost. There are kids that need, they've lost, caught through COVID, caught COVID, whatever. They're on social media, which, by the way, when you go on social media, you're only seeing everybody's good. So what they do is they compare what's going through their 75% bad thoughts about themselves, negative thoughts. When they get on social media, they're seeing everybody's positive. So it automatically, from a brain perspective, as you talk about, brings them down. Mm. But what I'm seeing on the kids today is it's no different than what I saw 20 years ago. They're wanting people in their life that can influence them. They're wanting people in their life that can help them to be that mentor for them to help walk them through what's going on. I don't care what school they go to. It doesn't really matter. And you've already hit the nail on the head. Your professionalism and what you did from a mentor perspective, you came to my class and connected with people within a half hour discussion. Think about that. If they had tons of people in their life, they wouldn't care about that. Sure. Right. You're already doing it. So for what that's happening, what that's telling me is you spend the extra time with kids. You're going to teach them what's out of a book, but that's the book smart stuff. What they want to know is the street smart stuff that's going to help them emotionally carry forward. I want to thank Todd Watching for uh, being part of the Getting Through podcast. And I'll let Todd go and I'll close this out. Todd, thank you so much, my friend. What an amazing uh, conversation with Mr. Todd Watring. Really loved this particular episode and the the focus and the effort on the plunges we make in our lives, how we should think about those plunges, the challenge and change that will invariably come from those plunges. And sometimes they're going to take these plunges and they're not going to be great. They're not going to come out exactly the way that we had planned And if we develop the mindset that we need to get through those moments where we have taken risks, we have jumped into things where we're uncomfortable, very uncomfortable, as the case may be, it's okay. Those are the the power of your relationships. As Todd said, the people you surround yourself with become really, really, really important. The Berg's mindset that I've developed and that I'm obviously passionate about and I love sharing with you, the Getting Through podcast audience, doesn't allow for anybody to be perfect. Your mindset is not going to create the perfect outcome, but it's going to help you along the journey to be the very best version of yourself you can be. And with that, thank you so much for tuning in to episode five of the Getting Through podcast, and we'll look forward to talking to you on our next episode. Take care.